Ten days after the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, residents of North Platte, Nebraska, heard a rumor that soldiers from their town, part of the Nebraska National Guard D Company, would be coming through on a troop train on their way to the West Coast. So 500 people from North Platte, Nebraska, showed up at the train depot with food, gifts, letters, and love to give to the boys coming from Nebraska National Guard D Company. Except for the fact that the rumor was false and they were from the Kansas National Guard D Company. But they decided to give out their gifts anyways to these strangers that they never met. And this genuine act of encouragement and devotion touched both the soldiers and the people that came to the train depot that way. A few days later, a woman, 26-year-old Ray Wilson, wrote a letter to the editor of the local Nebraska paper, recounting the profound experience that had touched so many hearts. She suggested that the town organize a canteen so they could do something similar for every troop train that came through, and she offered to be the volunteer leader. For the next four and a half years, the people of North Platte, Nebraska, and the surrounding communities met every troop train that came through their town. Every day, they prepared sandwiches, cookies, cold drinks, and hot coffee. They had baskets of magazines and books to give away to the soldiers and snacks for the train. There were even birthday cakes made for anyone who might have had a special day or occasion. And they did this on many days for as many as 8,000 soldiers and sailors. The statistics are staggering. By the time the last train went through town on April 1st, 1946, six million soldiers had been blessed by that North Platte canteen. 45,000 volunteers had served faithfully until the war was over, and most of the troops had been sent home. And I love that story, what an encouragement it was for those soldiers putting their life on the line each and every day on the path that God had called them to or they were on. And I love to think of that story as I want to turn our hearts towards Barnabas this morning. I want to talk about a man who is a great encouragement and blessing to the people around him. The scriptures have a lot of amazing men and women in them, amazing feats, amazing things that God had called them to do, amazing sacrifices that God had called them to make. But Barnabas is one of my favorite because Barnabas had a name change. Like some of the people in the Bible, Barnabas had a change of name. And they, the church changed his name because of what a blessing he was to their body. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine coming together on one Sunday morning and the people of First Friends Church decided that your given first name wasn't good enough because how much of a blessing you were? And what a joy that you were and, and the presence of goodness in their body. And they said, you know what, buddy? We're going to change your name because of what a blessing you are. And that's the kind of guy that Barnabas was, and I love that, and I, and I think that should bleed out into every believer. And we're going to talk about encouragement this morning. Barnabas is one of those guys that doesn't matter what life threw your way, you're never going to get him down. And I just hope that the Lord can teach us a few things this morning about encouragement. And then we're going to have a time of open worship afterwards. I'm not going to make this long because it's warm outside, and I think that we should exercise our own gift of encouragement. So as I share for a few minutes this morning, be thinking of something you might share that would be an encouragement to us, and we're, or maybe just a time where we ask the Lord to encourage our own hearts. The three things that I saw in Barnabas' life and his experience that spoke to me, I just want to share those this morning about the way that he ministered in their heart and in their life. And Hebrews is kind of the, kind of the 
thrust of where I want to get this idea, and we'll read the words together. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who has promised is faithful. And then look at this next phrase. Let us consider, this is premeditated. Remember that, this is premeditated. Let us think about, let us consider, let us premeditate, let us plan ahead, let us make this a priority, how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds, how we can encourage each other. Not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see a day approaching. So it's premeditated, it's preplanned, it's a priority in your life, and then you should do more and more and more of it as the day draws, draws closer. This is a, something that God is building in the church. This is something that God is building in you and I, and we don't just one day get it. We're not just going to have a light come on one day and Hebrews 10, 22 to 25 just happens to us and then we're set. I think that the Lord can open our heart and open our spirit to the needs to love and to reach out to the needs of others. But the writer of the book of Hebrews, who I believe is Paul, is saying this is something that God builds on. This is something that you do more and more of. And so I just want to pause for a minute and, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to let us ask ourselves this question. In our Christian life, are we becoming more and more of a blessing to the people around us? And is our heart's desire to be more and more the encourager as we go through our day and go through our life? Because Paul says, be cleansed, be pure, get your heart right with God, and then go out and be a blessing to others. And not just be a blessing once, but more and more and more as the days grow darker is your light to shine brighter and brighter and brighter. That is the calling, friends, to the church right now at First Friends, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with joy that we reach out and we encourage more and more and more as the day approaches. So in that light and in that vein, three things that I see Barnabas did, and there were more in that section that we can ponder as we look around our friends and our family and our body of how God calls us to be a blessing to those around us. And one of the things that Barnabas did, you see it in Acts chapter 9, is that he was an encourager to the desperate. An encourager to the desperate. Let's read Acts 9, 26 through 27. It's up on the screen for you. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried, this is talking about Paul now. When Paul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. And so remember, Paul was the greatest antagonist towards the church. If anyone was consistent with his desire to ruin the church in that day, it was Paul, known as Saul at that time. But of course, you know something happened in Saul's heart. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he was never the same. God changed his heart. God filled him with joy, filled him with the Holy Spirit. And what happened with Paul? Like we shared about a minute ago, God sent him out. And his heart, his passion was to be an encouragement and a blessing to others. But those critical church members who had a hard time forgetting all the horrible things that this man had done weren't having any of it. They didn't believe that he was really a disciple. 
So think about that for a minute. What, what they thought was Paul was going dark. Paul was going undercover. This was all a ruse, they thought. Paul faked this experience with Jesus. He tried to be a nicer guy just so he could get in the know of who were the leaders so he could take them out. That's what they thought. He was just infiltrating their ranks to cause more mischief. They didn't believe that anything real had happened. Here was a man filled with God, touched by the Spirit, wanted to be a blessing, and no one believed in him. The church wanted nothing to do with him until Barnabas came along. And he met Paul in that desperate state and met those leaders in that desperate moment. And it says in that passage, he told Saul, or it says in verse 27, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. So he had already walked away. And he says, don't give up. Don't give in to discouragement. Don't give up on the dream and the vision and the plan that God has for you. Come with me and we're going to take care of this together. So Barnabas took him and went side by side with him. And together they went back to the leaders of the church. And Barnabas told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that God had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas realized that there are times in our life where we cannot do this alone. There are seasons in our journey where we struggle and we fight and we try and we try to press on and it just doesn't happen. Things don't work out according to plan. Our dreams fall apart. Our plans fade away. Everything that we thought was there is gone and Barnabas was Paul's rock. He was that strength. He was that voice. He was that presence. And there's no one else that we can see that was there for Paul but Barnabas. Remember the Bible verse that says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother? That's the son of encouragement. That's Barnabas' purpose. It was like the reason that he lived was to be there for those people in their moments of desperation, be there in their moments of extreme loneliness, be there for them when no one else was going to be there or be around. And what an encouragement it can be to have someone there for you when no one else is there. How many times have you needed that someone in your own life? And grateful when they were there and hurting when they were not. Friends, God is calling you and I to be that someone. To be that encourager. To look around. To look people in the eye and don't take I'm fine as enough. To be aware of the people in your home and in your family and in your church and in your neighborhood and in your school and your place of employment and wherever it is that God is calling you to be. To be there in that moment and be aware of what's happening around you to be alert to the needs of others. And that's what Barnabas did. We'll talk about this more at the end, but Barnabas was more in tune with the needs of others than his own. There's nothing about Barnabas in this except for the fact that he was aware of what was happening around him. May the Lord help us to get our eyes out of our own trials and see the trials of the people around us. Barnabas was a man who was willing to encourage the desperate. Secondly, this morning, he was one who was sent to encourage the disciples. It wasn't just those who were hurting, those who were needy. It was those who were new. On the screen, you'll see Acts chapter 11, verses 22 and 23. 
Many had been added to the church in Antioch. New believers were happening. And so news of this reached the church in Jerusalem. And they needed to send a guy. (laughs) Who are they going to send? Isaiah would have said, hey, send me. But he wasn't around. So they looked around and thought, who could be the biggest blessing? Who is going to be the greatest source of encouragement? Who's going to have the right words to say at the right moment? Who's going to be able to focus despite any kind of circumstance? Who's going to be the one that will be exactly what they need? And they all looked at each other and said, Barnabas is our guy. And they sent him. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. With all of their hearts. Now, if you know your New Testament well, it was, it was one of the greatest struggles of the early church was mixing these cultures of, of Greek heathenism and new Christianity. And the church struggled desperately with finding the balance. And even the Jewish church had a hard time understanding the, the new law, the law of Christ on the heart. And Barnabas encouraged them that even when it was hard and even when it was difficult to understand everything that was happening, sometimes even when things didn't make sense, the greatest thing that mattered is to remain true to the Lord with all that you are. I think Barnabas, I don't know if he was a good cook, if he brought cookies or cakes, doesn't say that. I don't know what he did with them, to, you know, if he took them fishing or, you know, to the local restaurant to eat or whatever, but... All it says about Barnabas is that their spiritual journey is what mattered most to him. And he gave everything he had to encouraging them to remain as faithful to God as possible. And I love that the fact that this growing large, probably the largest church in the world at this time in Jerusalem was looking out. They could have gotten this report about the new believers in Antioch and just said, we're going to pray for you. But they were, they were bigger than that. And it's like, we want to be a blessing. We want to be an encouragement. We want to send one of our guys to you to lift you up and to be an encouragement to others. Who is God sending you to in your journey? Who are the disciples in your world today that need to be encouraged to be true to the Lord with all their heart? Because, friends, you and I live in a fallen world, a sinful world. A difficult world to be in sometimes, maybe a lot of the time. And many times we talked about this very recently, the devil sends temptation our way. Youth group's been talking about it on Wednesday nights. He, the devil is intent on destroying us. Who are we being sent to in our Christian life to encourage them to be true to the Lord with all of their hearts? The focus and motivation and priority that should matter more than anything else to you and I as believers. It's not how we dress or how much money we have or how we look in others. Is are we loving the Lord with all of our heart? And I think that is at the core of who Barnabas was. I think he probably would have sang as loud as he could, all that thrills my soul is Jesus. He was encourager to the disciples. And what a gift it was to give to this new body, this amazing man. I can't think of anyone they could have needed more than a man who was positive, on fire for the Lord, full of the Holy Spirit, who was known wherever he went as a person who was going to be a blessing 
to those around him. How are you known? When people see you coming, what do they think? Don't answer that out loud. God's not telling you to be somebody you're not. He's telling you to be someone he can make you to be. To take what he's given you right now and work on that verse that we said in Hebrews chapter 10, encouraging each other more and more and more as the day approaches. That, that's not a negative thing where the preacher says, hey, church, you're not doing enough. You're not encouraging enough. You're not loving enough. It's saying, Lord, who are we? We're your children. We're your people. Call to the world. Call to be disciple makers. Call to be those who encourages those who are desperate, those who are in discipleship. All of us are called to reach out to others. May the Lord help us to do that more and more as the day approaches. Not better than someone else, not different than we've ever been before, but Lord, how can from this moment on you help me to get my eyes off of everything that I'm in and get my eyes more on the people around me. Get my eyes off more and more of the struggles that I'm having and more and more on the promises of God. Do you think Barnabas' life was free of conflict? No, he was breathing air, same air that we are. Do you think he didn't have any storms in his life? We'll get to one in a couple of minutes. All we know about Barnabas is he was positive. He was attuned to the blessings of God. He was grateful for what God was doing. And even when no one else believed in his brother Paul, Barnabas stuck by him no matter what. Who are you sticking by no matter what? How can we grow in our willingness and ability to be an encouragement to those around us? I think that the scriptures offer us later on in the book of Acts um, one of the keys, not the key, but a key. And I read this this week and I was like, that's it. What you see in Acts chapter 13, verses 49 through 42, is a testimony to what God has done in this man's life that allowed him to, no matter what the circumstance, what he was in the middle of, what was going on, he was going to rejoice. He was going to be grateful. And so we see in this that he was able to have an encouraging outlook. And how can we do that? Acts chapter 13, 49 through 52. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and leading men of the city, and they stirred up a hornet's nest. So there was persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and they were expelled from the region. They got banished. They got kicked out, never allowed to go back. So they threw a fit, right? They got angry. They got discouraged. They felt like giving up. They were done with it. No, that's not what it says. It says they shook the dust off their feet. This is kind of a way of them saying, good riddance with you. You got some problems that you're going to need help with, but God is calling us elsewhere. And they went on to the next town. And verse 52 is just beautiful to me. Despite the change of plans, despite the letdown of the ministry that they've been building, all the dreams that they had, all the plans that they had, all the investment that they've made, all the time, blood, sweat, and tears that they poured into this region just suddenly gone. And moving on to start over somewhere else, their reaction was 
to be filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. They were just glad they could still be used. They knew that the grace of God was going to be just as real tomorrow as it was today. And it didn't matter where they go. It didn't matter who they went. It didn't matter who they talked to. God was going to be there. God was going to be faithful, and his word would ring true and loud and pure and clean. And all that mattered to them was the next step that God had called them to, and they were going to step into that step full of the Holy Spirit and joy. I'm not sure how much of an encouragement we can be if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit and joy. We're not going to have a whole lot to share, a whole lot to say to someone who's hurting if we're empty ourselves. How are you going to fill somebody's cup if yours is mostly empty yourself? We talked about Psalm 23 last week and how the psalmist says, my cup runs over. He'd just gone through the valley of the shadow of death. He was at the table of his enemies, and yet God had so filled him that his cup was overflowing, and he would spend the rest of his life dreaming about living in heaven forever. What an encouragement. What a testimony. What a, what a calling to you and I. Despite our trials and fires and storms and our failures and our shortcomings and our weaknesses and blind spots, which Barnabas had too, he was just as human as you and I. When everything got shattered in his path, he celebrated. Did I read that right? I did. Because God wasn't done with him yet. He wasn't done. He had them more work to do. He was encouragement to the desperate. He was encouragement to the disciples. In other words, whoever God put in his path, he challenged and he blessed. Who is God putting in your path to encourage? Who is God putting in your path to be a blessing? Who is God calling you to in your own life and journey? I want to close before we have a time of open worship with a story from 1965. May 24, 1965, a 13.5-foot boat slipped quietly out of the marina at Falmouth, Massachusetts. It would be the smallest craft ever to make the voyage across the Atlantic Ocean to England. The boat, named Tinkerbell, was piloted by Robert Manry, a copy editor for the Cleveland Plain Dealer, who felt that at 10 years at the desk was enough boredom for a while and took a leave of absence to fill his secret dream. He was afraid, he said, but not of the ocean, but of all who would try to talk him out of the trip. So we didn't share it with very many, just a few relatives, and especially his wife, Virginia. The trip was not a pleasant one. He spent nights of sleeplessness trying to cross shipping lanes without getting run over or sunk. Weeks at sea caused his food to become tasteless, Loneliness led to terrifying hallucinations. His rudder broke three times, storms swept him overboard, and not for the rope around his waist, he would have never been able to pull himself back on board. After 78 days alone at sea, he sailed into Cornwall, England. During the nights as he drew closer, he wondered what in the world he would do once he arrived because only a few people knew. 
He figured he'd make a quiet entrance into the harbor, sneak away into a whole room by, hotel room by himself, eat a quiet dinner alone, and then the next morning see if maybe one newspaper somewhere would hear his story. But was he in for a surprise? Word of his approach had spread far and wide, and to his shock, 300 vessels, with horns blasting, escorted Tinkerbell into port, and an estimated 40,000 people stood screaming and cheering him to shore. Robert Manry, the copy editor turned dreamer, became an overnight hero. His story had been told around the world, but Robert could have never done it alone. Standing on the dock was an even greater hero, his wife Virginia, who had encouraged him when all others would have discouraged him. And whether it's those people at the canteen in North Platte, Nebraska, or Virginia standing on the shores of England, we all need someone there to cheer us on. We all need someone there to be our Barnabas, and we all need to be a Barnabas as God calls us to be one. And I just want us to take a few minutes this morning just to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, where am I in that story? Each in our own way and time are called to be a Barnabas, some with more giftedness than others. But I believe this morning there is someone in your home. There's someone in your school. Someone in your place of employment or at the grocery store or at the gas station or all the many places that you and I frequent who's desperate. And they just need one, like Saul did, to come alongside when no one else believed in them. When no one else was willing to stand and to come alongside of them and say, we're going back into it together. And I'm going to be with you no matter what. What about that new believer? What about that person who just isn't strong in their faith? And the many of you who have been believers for longer than I've been alive. Do you know that your work isn't over yet? you know that there's people in the church who don't have the answers that you do, who haven't walked through the storms that you've walked through, and God might be this morning saying, child, my work isn't done with you yet. Who is God calling us to in this day and age? I was thinking about kind of the end of the message last Sunday when he talked about Psalm 23 and some of us are glass half empty, or worse. And you just don't get that from Barnabas. Even when everything, his, the rug of his life had been ripped away, he celebrated because God still had a plan. God doesn't want us to change our personality. He doesn't want to change our psychology. He doesn't want to you know, change our brain cells. He wants us to change our perspective. And if we just feel like we're discouraged all the time or that we're not in a place where we can use by God to be an encourager, maybe it is that we need to change perspective. That even if everything gets ripped away, there is still cause for celebration. Because God is on the throne. God is in charge. God still has the next step. God is still a dreamer for you.
I just want us to take a few minutes this morning to ponder those truths in our own heart and ask the Holy Spirit what he wants to say to us. But as we do that and as we listen, if the Lord just impresses upon you to raise your hand, Mike will come with the microphone. That has a ring to it, Mike with the microphone. I like that. If you just feel led to to offer a word for us, I'd encourage you to do that, and we will trust the Holy Spirit to lead in these moments.